Thank you for listening to the Faith Free Lutheran Church Sermon Archive. Today's sermon for Good Friday, April 15th, 2022, is preached by Pastor Jason Goodham. If you have questions or comments regarding today's message, please call the church office at 612-824-5527 or visit our website at faithlutheran-aflc.org. The meditation this evening is taken from John chapter 19, verses 17 through 30, John's account of the death of Christ, of which we will be hearing more from later this evening, but as I read it, I would invite you to stand. Reading in Jesus' name, John 19, verses 17 through 30. So they took Jesus, and he went out bearing his own cross to the place called the place of a skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him, and with him two others, one on either side, and Jesus between them. Pilate also wrote an inscription and put it on the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this inscription, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and it was written in Aramaic, in Latin, and in Greek. So the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, Do not write the King of the Jews, but rather this man said, I am the King of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his garments and divided them into four parts, one part for each soldier, also his tunic. But the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. So they said to one another, Let us not tear it, but cast lots for it to see whose it shall be. This was to fulfill the scripture which says, They divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. So the soldiers did these things, but standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. And he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour the disciple took her to his own home. After this, Jesus, knowing all that was now finished, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. A jar of sour wine stood there, so they put a sponge full of the sour wine on hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Heavenly Father, these are your words and your word is truth. We pray that this evening you would sanctify us in truth, that you would convict us of sin in our lives where that is necessary, and that you would comfort and encourage us with the promises of your gospel. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. On Palm Sunday, we considered Jesus as the king who comes to die. Even as he rides into Jerusalem, he upends all preconceived notions about who he is and about what he is going to do. Jesus doesn't come as a ruler with an army of angels to upend the political orders of the day or establish his own earthly kingdom. Rather, Jesus comes as a king, humbly, on a donkey, to die. And today, on Good Friday, Jesus accomplishes that mission. Pilate does us the service this evening of labeling Jesus as the king who dies. And in doing so, Pilate frames and defines redemption according to God's word. This is Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Everything 
God has been planning for, everything he's been ordering and arranging history for, everything is realized in Jesus' death on the cross. Our task tonight is to consider what God's Word tells us about that death, about Jesus' crucifixion, so that we can appreciate the price Jesus paid to forgive our sins. And so looking to the cross and looking to John 19, we start with the gruesomeness of the crucifixion. John tells us that Jesus bore his own cross to Golgotha, to Mount Calvary. Now this requires a little bit of explanation so we can envision in our mind's eye what exactly is going on. Jesus didn't carry the entire cross to his execution. He carried the cross bar, the bar that his arms would be affixed to. Now, in Roman execution sites, the vertical posts of the cross would have been permanent fixtures, would have been established, would have been places that travelers knew about. Romans had these sites all over the empire, but especially on the frontier to warn revolutionaries, criminals, traitors, and deserters of the cost of going up against the Roman Empire. Now, I couldn't find for sure in the short time that I researched this, but it is likely, it is likely, considering especially the trouble the Romans had with the Jews, that Golgotha was just such a place was a place of the skull because it was the place of execution. That was commonly done there, was well known. But Jesus only carrying the crossbar does not diminish the humiliation or pain he would have suffered during his arduous walk from Pilate's headquarters to Golgotha. Having already been beaten and flogged, Jesus would have been on the verge of physical exhaustion. And now, at that point, his arms would have been bound, would have been tied to each end of that cross beam, and he would have been forced to balance the weight of the beam as he walked. What this meant... Well, it, it wasn't just a convenient means of transportation. This was designed, again, to maximize the humiliation of this kind of execution. Because every time Jesus stumbled, every time Jesus fell out of balance, he would have fallen face first to the ground without any means to brace himself. And so his already battered and bruised face would have gotten even more disfigured. His knees and his thighs and his shins and his ankles would have been more bloodied. We know that from the other gospel accounts, Jesus was in such a physical state of agony that the Romans eventually had to pull Simon of Cyrene out of the crowds to finish the task. 
And upon reaching Golgotha, the two portions of the cross would have been affixed to each other, and the nails would have been driven through Jesus' wrists and his ankles. This was to maximize the amount of pain it took to breathe as the criminal hung suspended on the cross. It wasn't just to hold him there. So they couldn't drive the nails through the hands because that would have eventually tore under the weight of the criminal. No, they drove the nails through the bones of the wrist so that the criminal couldn't move. The entire point of death by crucifixion is that as the victim hung from the cross, he was in a state where he couldn't breathe unless he pushed against the nail that went through both of his ankles, rose up against the pain, and gasped for air. Now consider that again, what that would have done. Jesus' back, already flayed from the flogging, would have been sliding up and down the rough wood of the cross all afternoon as he breathed. Research tells us that for most crucifixion victims, the simple act of breathing on the cross would have dislocated their shoulders eventually. The up and down with your arms tensed out to the full extent of their reach. And when a crucifixion victim died, he died of suffocation, losing either the will or the ability to move against the pain and breathe. That's the gruesomeness of the cross. To this day, it is the most inhumane way that we know of to kill someone. Now add to that gruesome picture, you had the cruelty of the soldiers in front of Jesus gambling for his own clothing as he died. Jesus on the cross suffers the height of all human indignity. And yet, as Jesus hangs from the cross, dying, what comes out in John's account is Jesus' compassion. Jesus looks at the crowds watching him die, and he sees Mary, his mother, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. And in the midst of his suffering and pain, Jesus takes care of his own house. He gives the apostle John charge of his mother, making sure she would be provided for after death. It's truly a remarkable gesture of care and compassion for Jesus to do this as he hung from the cross. When we consider all this, it's really hard to comprehend. It's hard to see the cross as the place where cruelty and compassion meet. But then again, that's the entire point of the cross. All of the cruelty, 
all of the gruesomeness, all of the pain and suffering, that's not, it's not only a picture of your sin, it's a product of your sin. Our sin is gruesome, it's disgusting and pathetic. Our sin is cruel, it's selfish and hateful, and the cross is what we deserve for it all. The suffering, bleeding, and dying of crucifixion is a just punishment for one who had committed treason and turned his back on the king. But Jesus was the king. Jesus didn't do any of that. We did. Every sin we commit is idolatry. Every sin we commit is treason against the king of the universe, our creator, God. But Jesus, on the cross, in our place, is the height of God's compassion on us. Just as Jesus cared for his mother, his closest living earthly relative, Jesus cares for us, his brothers and sisters. In fact, Jesus put on human flesh, became one of us, precisely so he could be there on the cross. So he could be our substitute. If we go to the cross, if we are executed, we are condemned justly. And at the cross, at our execution, the gruesomeness and cruelty would overcome and overwhelm us. We would die unceremoniously and be forgotten by history. But Jesus goes to the cross. Jesus endures the gruesomeness and cruelty of the cross. And in the midst of it all, he continues to pour out his kindness and compassion. And in the end, he dies. The king dies. But as he dies, he says the words that seal our redemption. It is finished. Jesus, in his death and in his crucifixion, not only takes your place, he not only receives the punishment you deserve for your sins, Jesus puts an end to it all. He defeats Satan, he overcomes sin. And he kills death. Every Good Friday, the church gathers together to remember the death of Christ. A death that is both in your place and for you. But every Good Friday, the church remembers that the only lasting death that occurred was for death itself. Our king died but he lives. Our king wins. It is finished. Amen.
And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.